this is Eric Water of Play Gears, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. Let's get it. All right, everyone. Sonny back here with another new episode of Interview Under Fire. Eric Lauder, man. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today on IUF. An important yet exciting time of the year for you and the guys over at Play Gears with the release of your newest studio album, Circle of Darkness, which dropped already a month ago on September 18th on E1. First off, congratulations on all of the well-deserved recognition has been getting so far, especially with from like Revolver, New Noise Magazine, Decibel, Metal Wani. I mean, the list goes on for you. Before we get to all that, dude, I'm going to ask you a very important question. It's a very simple one, but I think it's okay. an important one to ask considering the state of you know mind we're in right now. How are you, dude? <laughs> How have things been for you and the band as of late? And, you know, our lives have pretty much have changed since back in March. There's your dog right there. And, you know, how's yeah. life in Michigan? It's good. Uh, I mean, I've been good. You know, uh, I've definitely kind of gotten, uh, you know, over the darkness of that there's going to be no touring. You know, it's I mean, it still comes around in my brain every so often. But, you know, I just try to look at the positive side of it. You know, I think music is going to be uh, a crazy just like you know, just revolution of, of live music. You know, I think the not even so much just on like the major scale, but like even local scenes, you know, I think it's really, really going to thrive. Um, so I try to just think about that <laughs> instead of <laughs> what I sh- would be doing right now, if this wasn't going on, Speaking but, of, you know, yeah, that'd have been good. A lot, a lot of, a lot of family time, you know, I got a kid, so just been doing a lot of that and uh, I'm already writing new music. So. Yeah, man, that's already exciting things. And speaking of things that you were used to doing, being away from the stage a lot as of late, how are you keeping up your guitar chops these days? Is that affecting your musicianship? Has anything changed for your routine-wise at all? If When the pandemic first hit, um, you know, I, I to be honest, it wasn't really – we kind of were taking a break a little bit because we were kind of like, well, look, man, like we postponed our record. Um, you know, there's no shows coming up, you know, so we all kind of, kind of like took about a month off, I'd say, uh, of just, just hanging out with our families for the most part and, and just kind of like, you know, do, doing whatever, you know, just, you know, there really wasn't much to do. It was kind of like, okay, you know what, well, let's just take a month off and just kind of chill. And, um, it didn't hit me uh, as far as like my guitar playing until I like felt inspired to just play one day. And I sat down and I started just running through some of the songs on the album and, and working on some new riffs or something. And I was like, damn, I haven't, you know, the, I could feel it in my like arms, like, damn, I really need to start playing again. I can't just not, you know? And so, I mean, yeah, I, I would say the only thing that's, it's going to be weird is, you know, I haven't played in like a live setting. So like when I'm playing in band practice and stuff, you know, I'm, I'm chilling, you know, I'm just riffing, you know, but yeah. I haven't head banged or like, you know, put my body through all that work in, in a long time. So it's, it's definitely different. Um, my guitar playing is the same, but it's definitely different in that aspect where I haven't played in front of anyone live, you know, it's, it's a totally different thing. It's, it's definitely like a, a full body, like exhaustion versus just playing guitar. You know, we talked about it before the interview started and, and uh, you guys did tour extensively with, you know, with Plagueers four years. How was the touring life for you personally? Because now you're kind of just taking like an unseen step back. And does it make you have a growing appreciation of the touring life? Because we're talking culture, Uh-oh. fans, even the food. There's just so many things to pick apart about the touring life. What makes it amazing? What was your biggest takeaway from that? Uh, for me, touring is just, you know, the one thing I always enjoy is, is 
hanging out with the other bands, you know, people that I don't know or people yeah. that I do know, you know, um, it's always cool when you meet, you know, a new band that you've, you've never, you know, met before and you guys end up just fucking partying, you know, it ends up being a good time, you know. Um, I just love the, like, you know, the experiences that come along with touring, you know, playing, playing is always great and being in front of new people, but it's always what goes on after the show too. That that's just as exciting, you know? Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Simple things like that. Ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you're going to finish up right there. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, just, yeah. I mean, and you know, we've been fortunate enough that, um, you know, the three tours that we've been on have all been with our friends, you know? So it's been just nonstop, just partying and fucking having a blast, you know? So it's, yeah. it's cool. I, I like getting out. Yeah. Speaking of getting out, I mean, we can't wait to have you guys back here. I can't believe I missed that show when you guys came with Creeping Debt last year. And I'm, that was a good I'm, show. It I'm was like, with uh, it was with Steel Bearing Hand too, and um, Frozen Soul. Frozen Soul, yeah. And um, man, I can't think of. I think there was only one more band. I can't recall what their name was, but yeah. Shout out Frozen Soul, man. I love those dudes to death. I've known I've known those guys a long time. I've known Chad for fuck man probably like 10 years uh since over display and you know i love those dudes and speaking of which we need to get frozen soul on this show we've interviewed so many amazing talented artists like yourself and we don't have frozen soul on here so far and they're all local so so yeah we got to get a shout out to them so this has been a very popular topic on the show for the last seven months and obviously i i mean we'd be doing this in person this i wouldn't think i'd be doing podcasts seven months ago and here i am and you've seen this (laughs) A lot of the artists have been doing this live streaming. A lot of the artists have been doing what they're doing on stage, taking it to the screen like we're doing right now. Code Orange were one of the first bands to do that, I believe. I think two days after the pandemic hit, Lamb of God did that. I, I went to Metallica about about two months ago. They did the whole uh, live streaming in North America. I don't know if you knew about that. And um, yeah, the drive the drive in or whatever. Yeah. So Dallas sold out just just like that. And luckily, my friend had a ticket. He's like, "Hey, do you want to go?" I'm like. Sure. Believe it or not. And I've said this in a few other my previous podcasts, my listeners know this is my first ever Metallica event that I've attended. I've attended millions of shows. First time Metallica. And what's the most popular thing we hear? And you've seen this on stage. Let me see the horns. You see a sea of horns of just fans of just like throughout the, you know, when you stand up on stage. What did we get this time around? Not that. What we got was Hey, let me hear you honk your horns. So if you rolled out your window, oh it's just cars, and you just hear just honks out in the distance in the night. It was it was nuts. Of Hell course, yeah. of course, it's in the it's on a drive-in, so it's on a radio station. But for me, you know, personally, I wanted to. The point I'm trying to make is it made me miss the live experience even more, and I'm sure you miss it too. But I wanted to ask you on a follow-up, being on the road as long as you have, making the connections that you have made throughout your career. Do you think, Eric, the quarantine-induced live streaming surge we're seeing right now, is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward? Do you still see bands doing this even after all this is over? Um, I, I don't – I mean, I think, I think it will still be something that happens. Uh, I think bands will use it in a different way, though. I don't think they'll focus on, like, you know, getting a spot and, and doing, like, a live stream, you know? I think it will be more so, like – a recorded live like a real live performance and then mm. kind of like re-airing it like kind of like uh what the black Dahlia murder did and uh power yeah. trip i uh, did that with revolver and creeping death and um i think that kind of stuff will happen i mean i don't think it'll necessarily die out but i don't think it'll be as as a big of a thing you know because at the end of the day you can't really replace playing live or being at a show you know it just it, 
the live streams are cool, but it's just, it's still not exactly like a show, but they're still cool, you know, especially for right now. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong answer to that because I, I like asking this question and, and your answer is perfect. I have so many musicians who say, oh, I'm not going to do shit until all this is over. Or there's some people who say, oh yes, it's a great way for me to still engage with the fans and still mm-hmm. do what I want to do. Like for example, let's say you guys did a festival overseas or something like that. And someone here may not have, have access to it. You could sell a virtual ticket and do yeah a pre-recorded stream august burton's res is doing one i, I think in on november that, on that angle on that angle i feel you though like what, yeah the way you just said it like that where like you can virtually buy a ticket to attend a show essentially mm-hmm. uh i think that could be a thing for sure i, I never really thought about it that way selling t- like essentially you're selling more tickets and already you know you're, you're getting more tickets out of it you know you're really just making more money off of it so that, that's a cool way to look at it. I've never really thought about that way before. Um, yeah, maybe. That I mean, would, that would be cool. I, I, so that list, like if you're talking about like people who don't have access, it could be, yeah, it could be as simple as a person with disability. It could be as simple as someone who lives in a, I don't know, just a different part of the region in the nation that doesn't really get a lot of coverage as Dallas or Michigan, you know, Detroit, LA, New York. Those are the big cities. They'll get, they'll be the heavy hitters. But, and you guys considering the genre of music you have you guys have a really really amazing underground following as far as the genre that you guys play in so definitely an eye-opener and i know we talked about everything from head to toe i promise we'll talk about circle of darkness right now <laughs> it's exciting stuff you know this is second uh full-length album came out september 18th on e1 records let's talk about e1 for a second bud you signed with them april 2020 high on fire creeping death avatar i am the list goes on for them what is oh, the yeah. most rewarding part about signing with such a prominent label like them did it make going into the studio that much easier for you or was there any pressure because if i'm correct this was the first time in your life in your life that you felt pressure when it came to writing music which i think that's a good thing right yeah yeah it it was a good pressure it wasn't like i felt like you know oh shit i gotta you know do this or nothing but it was like you know, you know, normally when I'm writing music, it's kind of just like for myself or, you know, it, you know, I'm just putting out what I think sounds good. But when, when you get a label, especially of that caliber that that's backing you, now you're kind of thinking like, damn, I got to write one that's good, you know, for them too, you know, which, which is I mean, weird, case in point, just I, like, I just, know. I just talked about all the shout outs you guys got. So there you go. Mission complete. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it was definitely like, I just felt like, okay, no, now, now I'm in the fucking big leagues. You know what I mean? Like I got to be on my shit, you know, I, no more fucking around, you know, even though I wasn't fucking around, but it was really like, <laughs> I'm, I'm focused, you know? And at that time, after we got signed, I was extremely motivated. And, uh, you know, I finished writing circle of darkness in May that following month, uh, just wow. the music, but not the, not the lyrics quite yet, but most of the music was done that following month. Cause originally we were talking about we wanted to get a record out before the year ended and then that all ended up changing anyway um even before covid but um yeah so i, I was super motivated man i just felt like i, I made it you know in a, in a way you know what i mean it's just you grind so long i yeah. mean i've been doing music i've been writing music and performing music for about 16 years so you know you know and even to be honest with you I was at the point, you know, cause I'm 31 now. So I was kind of at my point where I was like, you know, this might be my last project, you know, like this might be my last like serious thing, you know, but I'm just going to go all in on it and, uh, and see what happens. And fuck, here we are, you know, it's crazy. I got to give a shout out to your dog. He's chilling, like just 
back there. I, I, I can't take my eyes off of this perfect. Like, That's where she was the whole, I had an interview before this. That's where she was the whole time. <laughs> She's already used to this, man. So uh, uh, touching on the topic that you were just talking about when, so when I heard circle of darkness, I heard thrash hardcore. I'll even throw some crossover in there. Death metal, black and death metal. I, you guys have pretty much checked off every subgenre that attains to me. And I'm sure I can speak for all the fans out there. You're talking April to May. How much did things change from when you first started composing on this album to where you ended up finishing it? Did a lot change in between? Did nothing change in between? Was there already a specific sound you knew you wanted with Circle of Darkness? Yeah, I, I was kind of, you know, I, I wanted to elaborate on what was going on in Unholy Infestation, but I wanted to write, you know, an LP like I feel like any good LP has like you know what you expect and then they give you a little bit more you know or or push the boundaries just a little bit and that that's kind of just what I wanted to do you know like uh, a perfect example to me is always Metallica I feel like they always are able to give you like what you expected plus a little bit more and then they'll even give you like a ballad you know or like just like really go out there and give you something really catchy you know which I love that kind of shit. So that, that was really the main goal. I wanted to feel like we wrote a complete LP that gave you, you know, everything and pushed the boundaries a little bit. And, you know, I wanted to be catchy and, and authentic, you know, um, same thing with like Metallica or Slayer and Megadeth. They're always able to be authentic to their sound and, mm-hmm. and be catchy. You know, they have verses and choruses and, and stuff like that, like your typical kind of pop structure, but it never feels like you're not listening to a thrash record, you know, or a metal record. And so that's what I really wanted to do on this record is really hone in that and be catchy lyrically and, and riff wise and, and all that. I'm going to throw two names at you, Arthur Rizik, Nick Morris, and both of them, they're known for their work with, you know, Arthur with power trip Two mold candy, Cavalier conspiracy, Cavalier conspiracy, Nick Morris with a black galley murder. Like we talked about earlier in the podcast, was there a sense of comfortability in the studio knowing that they were there? Uh, with Nick, Nick has like a very interesting vibe. I actually, I like the way that he's in the studio because he almost comes off like he's not having fun, you know? <laughs> but then when he tells you that like something was good, you know, you feel like, okay, yeah, that was good. You know, if, if he's saying it's good, then I, I yeah. definitely was feeling that, you know? Um, and he and he's a good, like, I like having someone in the studio that I, I can you know, that, that kind of tells me what they think and, and, and that I can ask them, you know, like, what do you think about this? You know, did you think this is the one or not? You know, so it kind of gives me someone to bounce off of. Um, Arthur is the fucking man. Uh, another homie, man. I've, I've known that dude for a long time, like uh, at least 10, 11 years. Um, yeah. Yeah, I played in Razzle Dazzle together with him. I've toured with War Hungry, uh, with uh, Bill Destroy and awesome dude, man. I love that dude to death. So as soon as I started doing this uh, unholy infestation, even I knew I was going to Arthur. I mean, I was already like, this is going to Arthur hundred percent, like no doubt about it. And he was, you know, way more than down to do it. And, and he hooked me up, man, big time. And shout out to Arthur, dude. Love that dude to death. Yeah. You know, between writing, structuring the songs and the production process, like we just talked about, what challenges did you personally face this time around? that you may have not faced with Unholy Infestation or even your self-titled EP. And by that, I mean like positive challenges. Like, okay, this actually made me become a better musician. Okay, I, I can learn this process now. I learned better because of this person. You know, I felt like every from a fan standpoint, what I saw with you guys, everything just fleshed together perfectly at the perfect time for you. Yeah, I really wanted to, you know, because we have, like you were saying earlier, so it's we have so many different like, 
sub, you know, people call us all kinds of different genres, you know, and <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to make sure that they all made sense, you know, because there's sometimes, you know, bands try to do that and it's like, just it don't go right. You know, sometimes it feels like a riff is slammed in there. That's a totally different genre or something. And you're just kind of like, yeah, this don't work, you know? And so I really wanted to make sure that I made it work and it all sounded like our sound, you know, essentially like, I, you know, I feel like we've created something that I can get away with doing a song that's completely thrash or I can get away with doing a song that's completely death metal and it's still going to sound like us. Um, so, I mean, I would definitely say that. Um, but yeah, but listen to what you're saying, though. It, listen to what you're saying, though. That, that's that's the whole point, because. Oh, you're, oh you're, yeah, no, no. Yeah, because it's a it's a testament to your craft, because. This is just your second album, dude. And look how much you've accomplished already. And I'm someone who actually stays humble to my work. But when it comes to like the excitement, and I think this is something that Plague Ears and the rest of the band, just it's really something to be proud of. And, you know, I, like this is me. Like I wish now I'm like going back in time, like, man, I really wish I seen them, seen them in person. And now we have, you got to plan ahead when yeah, that comes forward. Yeah. But um, I think you were going to finish your thought there. Oh yeah, I was right. just gonna say on this record, uh, lyrically, I it was more of me pushing myself with that because I've never really before this band, I never wrote lyrics. You know, um, mm -hmm. it wasn't anything I've ever done or really ever been interested in. I kind of always felt like when I tried, it shit was corny. You know, so I was never really into it. Plus, I never do vocals. So, but um, when this band started, you know, I kind of had to take it over because um, you know, I was just t Tim wasn't writing so much and and. He, he was still fairly new to what, what I was trying to go for. So I just knew I kind of had to do this, you know, and uh, yeah. with Unholy Infestation, it was more of like a kind of like a concept record, like loosely, you know, the, the songs pretty much tell a story from start to finish. Um, with Circle of Darkness, I wanted to break that because it's, it's a lot easier for me to write like story uh, way lyrically, you know, um, whereas I wanted to be able to, you know, I've always admired when people can have an album and it's titled, you know, whatever, but all the songs are about different shit. Like it really not <laughs> all necessarily relative to the title, you know, and, like and it works. Album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it just, it just works, you know? Yeah. And so like, that was, that was my goal with circle of darkness was like, okay, how am I going to be able to just kind of write about whatever I want and it still come out metal or, or whatever, you know? And uh, I think I definitely, I definitely stepped it up on this one as far as that goes. You definitely did. And by the way, Blue Album is a great album. I, I don't mean to, I didn't mean to call it out on that. They can just, <laughs> Weezer can just put a color on the album and then they can just do whatever they want. And I want to quote you on something because, for example, the song Incantation, you said, this song is about resurrecting the dead that were condemned by God. Corpses become masters of chaos, rising to become a part of hell's army to destroy their land and all things divine. Man, just reading that sentence, man, Halloween's around the corner, dude. I could just read that like, as like a ghost story. But I wanted to follow up on that. To what level do you like to have a theme for your records? And how important are themes to you? Is that more about helping you guys write or sound? Or is that or is that more for the audience? Because a lot of artists, like we just talked about, they don't really care about themes. They just do 10 songs in the studio and that's it. But I felt like with you, Eric, and, and Plague Years, you had a specific dilemma you wanted to achieve with Circle of Darkness. Yeah, I mean, kind of what I was saying, like I wanted to be able to write about whatever I wanted, but it, I like I chose the title Circle of Darkness because to me it has two meanings. Um, the Circle of Darkness, to, it, and the first meaning is like, you know, just the cycle of 
evil or darkness that happens in the world, you know, whatever that may be, whether it's murder, torture, you know, um, everyday life, depression, narcissism, you know, any, anything like that, that, you know, that little voice in the back of your head is just, that's part of the circle of darkness, you know, just a constant cycle of, of shit going on. And then the second meaning is, um, the elite, like there's like an elite group of people, you know, that influence all of the, the darkness, you know, that they're the ones that are in your, in your head going, yeah, yeah, do it. You know, you know, those type of influences creating all this chaos and stuff. So I kind of felt like I had a very, um, like big umbrella, I guess, to, to work with. I could pretty much write about anything because that kind of fits in all of it, you know? Do you see that kind of, go ahead. ahead. I just, that just kind of like, let me have the freedom of not having to write a concept record. You know, I did, I just did not want to do another like story type record where each song goes into one another and, and all that. I just did not want to do that. So do you see circle of darkness as a snapshot of where you are at a certain time in your life? Um, I mean, kind of, I guess everything I pretty much write is like that, you know, uh, yeah. Sometimes and- I'll, e- even without these, these records, but other stuff that I've wrote, you know, it's like, I'll be feeling away and then I won't hear it for like maybe a year or two, like some old recording. And I'll <laughs> go back and I'll be like, man, I can't even believe I did that, you know? And that's just what I was doing at the time, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't want to be like, oh, hey, I, this is the pandemic album. And so many, so much great music came out this year. There's no protocol for a pandemic, like when it comes to an album release, like, okay, here's what we should do, dot, 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 you know, but you guys stuck to the schedule. Did that come into effect? Did you guys ever think about, okay, do we need to push this back? Do well, we, we, we did, we did yeah. push it back. We oh, okay. pushed it back. It, it was originally supposed to be May 22nd. And uh, cause we dropped the first single and uh, video for play the victim in March. I think it was like March 5th or something. The like first week of March. Oh my gosh. And um, yeah. Two weeks after that was when it kind of all happened. Uh, you know, quarantine and shutting down and all that. And I started getting nervous then I was like, man, you know, I, I don't know. And then, you know, everyone was, Oh, it's only going to be a month, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everyone was telling me month, month, no big deal. And you remember that and, when uh, we th- remember that, like, just like uh, just end of March, like, Oh, it's going to be a month. Now we're here in October of all yeah, months. It's and on, it's on, it's unreal, dude. And so, yeah, we pushed it to September and I, you know, I really didn't want to do it. Uh, because you know, I've been sitting on the record at that point, I'd been sitting on it for quite a while. And, um, but you know, it made sense and I definitely wanted to tour on it. So we're thinking, okay, by September, right. This shit's gotta be better by then. And fuck, you know, as, as we all know, it's not. And, you know, the label was talking about maybe pushing it back again, but I was like, man, I I don't want to do that. You know, at at this point, pushing it back twice is just kind of not for me. And and not to mention like people that pre-order and stuff, you know, back in like March and, having to wait even longer and, you know, after already paying, I just, I wasn't feeling that. And at this point, this isn't going mm-hmm. away anytime soon. So just, just get it out, you know? I mean, just put it this way. I mean, your music is needed. I mean, I, I can, I can uh, endorse that. You have plenty of other endorsers like uh, uh, that are much bigger than, than interview on a fire, like revolver decibel. I mean, that already shows a dedication to your craft and how you guys did manage it perfectly and and it's a challenge but i'm i'm really glad you guys were able to you know achieve that and now again this goes back to oh you don't want this to be a pandemic record this is be it could be a record looking back on it okay this actually turned into a damn near pandemic (laughs) many times i get asked oh my god of darkness plague years it just lines up perfectly they're like so many times someone will be like oh the 
the pandemic at no bro come on now we've been a band for 2000 since 2016 and then i've you know if and you know fair enough they'll ask me questions about like if the record was uh done done during the pandemic or anything like that but the record has been done since october of the you know last year so it's been you know we've been sitting on it so i'll get asked like certain lyrical content oh is this about the pandemic like no this was all before you know no, especially I, for like no respect for the law with all the police brutality i've been getting that one a lot oh man and, uh, uh it, well hey we're making this unique here on every under fire so you guys so you get so you get to actually just all just flush it all out there the way you wanted to and that again i'm gonna sound like a broken record here but it is it is the record that we need you know it has nothing to do with whatever's going on in the world it's it's what you're passionate about just get your music out there for the listeners to grasp onto and for me when i listen to it i mean i i was absorbed in a whole different dimension i mean m- music especially with the subgenres that i listed out as a fan i'm just gonna throw this out there it's it it really hit me right on the dot so i'm glad you guys releases that it's definitely one of my favorites of the year speaking of the music man speaking of michigan Battlecross, Black Dolly Murder, Walls of Jericho, Repulsion, Acid Witch. I could go on forever with that. How has that scene changed through your experience, if at all? Um, well, when I was growing up, uh, going to shows, I mean, it was a lot fucking scarier uh, than it is now, for sure. I mean, when I was going, you know, when I was 14, 15, 16, going to shows, I mean, it was ran by crews and shit. I mean, it was fucking scary straight up. Uh, it was a way different environment. Now it's way more laid back. Uh, you know, every, everyone's really cool, man. Um, you know, you can go to pretty much any show and you're going to see like a lot of the same people, whether it be a death metal show, thrash metal show, punk show, rock show, doom show, like everyone pretty much loves all kinds of music. There's very few people that are kind of like in their niche. Like they only like mm-hmm. this, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and there's a lot of really good bands coming out of here, man. Um, you know, from before and even now, you know, like Temple of Void is like another really good one. They just got signed to uh, Relapse. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. 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 There's there's all kinds of good stuff going on out here right now, man. It's it's cool. It's, it's definitely thriving. Uh, you know, a lot of people come out, man. A lot of loyal people come out for sure. It sucks. Yeah. That is not going. On <laughs> yeah. Right I don't know. Now. Yeah. We talked about it also. I don't know if we even actually discussed it already. How you know, the music scene in Michigan, I've never been up there. I've never been up to Detroit, you know, Dallas, I can speak for that on how the death metal scene, thrash metal scene. It's, it's def, it's definitely, Dallas going, is dope. It's definitely. Dallas, going anytime in. I know yeah. I'm going to, to Texas really period, especially Dallas though. Yeah. I already know it's going to slap. I mean, I, I know so many people out there as it is that like, it's going to be 30, 40 people coming out just to, to hang out. Plus, you know, everybody, Dallas is just always put on, man. I, I, I love that city, man. I got, so many fucking lifelong friends there, man. You know, shout out Power Trip, shout out Creeping Death, fucking yeah. Frozen Soul. You know, all them dudes, man. I love all them guys. Man, my first ever show I ever went to, I'm going to throw this out there, is uh, uh, I saw Dime and Vinny play together in person, like together as Damage Plan. That was my first concert ever. I think it was 2000, 2004, literally two months before Dimebag got shot. Like That's it's, wild. it's just insane. You can't, you can't make this stuff up, but you know, you guys have a really great following over here. And uh, it, now, now you're thinking like, how, how did we not meet before this? <laughs> Considering all oh, the shows, yeah, man. man I, used to, I used to be I, I at a show. Out, yeah. I come out to Dallas, man. I, like I said, I got lots of, lots of friends, man. You know, I've been really good friends with power trip for a long time too. You know, we all kind of came up at the same time, like 2009, 2010, you know? Uh, so I got a lot, a lot of friends out there, man. 
Yeah, I love, and, I love and, it out there. You know, and rest in peace, Riley Gale. I mean, I remember I the first time I met Riley was actually I've seen Power Trip a few times. The first time I met Riley was backstage. R.I.P. Riley and R.I.P. Wade, man. Oh my gosh, love, uh, love those dudes. Yeah, right on, man. And you know, right before Riley hit the stage, he gave me a fist bump. Like it, it's not just any fist bump. You give a fist bump to anybody, but from coming from Riley, just the energy that he brought, like he made everybody around him better. You know, it's like it's like if you if you put you know. Kobe Bryant on like a basketball team. Everybody's going to be better. Tom Brady, just something like that. Sports analogy. But Riley, everyone, they would become a better musician. Everyone would just be a better person to each other. Just the energy that he exhibited on stage and even off stage. Like it was just the energy. I, I, I never saw any other musician match and getting to see him for the final time, like in person, like on stage, backstage, just seeing this, just the community of metalheads on there. It was, um, it's, it's definitely, definitely an experience to remember so you know shout out to riley of course we got yeah for the riley LA. was always a extremely genuine person man uh you know he he had a very awesome quality about him where he could talk to anybody and you know he just he would be very intrigued and very genuine you know he just made you feel like you you know you were his friend even if you just met him you know he's, he's an awesome guy man I'm, I'm gonna miss that dude man for real yeah uh, it's, it's it's very tragic have you got you guys played with power trip Oh my god! I played with Power Trip so many times. When was Not, the last uh, one? Plague, Plague Years. I've played with them once, uh, but Build and Destroy It, man. I played with them so many fucking times, man. I mean, countless amount of times. Like we, what they, show stands uh, out? I guess. Um, it's a million dollar question. Uh, <laughs> we played with them one time at uh, there's this venue in Detroit called the Magic Stick, but underneath it is called the Garden Bowl. It's like a a bar, but there's a bowling alley. And there's no stage. I mean, it's just like a, like a kind of like a dining room floor, there's like a bar. And there's just like a floor, like a tile floor. And uh, we played a free show there. I think it was free. Maybe it was $5. Uh, they had like a different show booked or something. And they were like, nah, we ain't going to play that. We're going to play with y'all. Cause we like, we we're all really good friends. And so we just randomly threw the show last minute, man. It was a fucking banger. I mean, it was crazy. I think there's some pictures of it somewhere. It was with this other old band too called uh, Face Reality too. Shout out, shout out James, man. I love that dude. Dude, get those po photos together and post it. Can you imagine the Power Trip fans just going crazy? I mean, of course, I'm one of them. You're one of them. Like that would be a, just a great thing just to share. And of course, Power Trip's, you know, legacy will just live on. That's, man, that show right there just, it gets me excited just for the live music to just come back. Just playing a fucking living room. I have, I have the liberty to mosh in my own room if I want to, you know, it's what, just whatever you can make of the situation. At one no. time we played with them in a, in a metal yeah. as a frat frat house in Ann Arbor <laughs> and in, in their basement, bro, they used to throw some wild ass shows. Man, I played some crazy places, bro. I played one time I played a skate shop with power trip in Ann Arbor. That was fucking bro. So tiny. I mean, there was like, this room could probably only fit like maybe 50 to 60, 70 people, something like that crammed. Dude, there was easily like 200 people just like sardined in this thing, man. It, it was crazy. You know, it, it was wild. Yeah, man. Let's hope we get back to that like ASAP. I mean, that's again, that's just another illustration of how amazing just a live experience is. Eric, again, we talked everything from head to toe as far as from where you started to where you are now. Have your aspirations as a person or a band, have they changed or evolved since when you first started playing music in the industry? Do you see things differently now? I see things a little bit differently as far as like the, I don't know, like the business side of it, like the promotional side, I guess, you know, 
um, you know, doing like all these kind of interviews and stuff, this is all new to me too. You know, um, I mean, I've been doing music for a while, but I, I got signed to a label called locking out, uh, locking out, locking out. And, um, but it wasn't nowhere near on this caliber. Like once I got onto E1, man, it, it's definitely a way big, like just, just eye opening. Like, okay, this, this is like actually being in a, in a bigger band or, or, you know, dealing with this kind of stuff, you know? So uh, my aspirations are still the same. I still want to just conquer the world. You know, I just want to just keep writing riffs and keep putting out music, you know, and, and just staying authentic. You know, my, my biggest thing is, you know, a lot of my favorite bands as time went on album after album, you know, they start to, to change up, you know, sometimes good changes, but sometimes it's kind of like, man, what the hell is going on, you know? <laughs> and, my, and my goal is to always be that band that kind of like sticks with the same, you know, sound. Changing it up, you know, obviously, so it's not the same record after record, but, you know, how many times can you think of a band where you're like, yeah, once they got to like their fourth album, it's kind of, eh, whatever. I, I like mean, I mean, three, I mean, know? two bands that just stand out in, in Flames and Opeth, like they, you know, they're different now, but I, you know, I'm indifferent. I still like their newer, newer stuff. A lot of the bands are like, oh, their old school stuff is they won't get past. They won't even touch the new stuff. You know, like like just an example like that. You don't have to worry about that, man. I don't even think you need to worry about that. You should just just concentrate on the moment. You guys are where you're at because of your hard work and dedication. And and I'm seeing that a lot of the big publications are saying that it's a very humbling experience, which I'm very proud of how far you guys have gotten. And, you know, <laughs> Again, I'm surprised we still haven't even met yet before before this interview. So I'm like thinking, how did I not how did I not see play? We will, we will, we will for sure. <laughs> play those smaller venues, like just get that old, just that old vibe back in, just like the old days. <laughs> That's what I think is going to come back first. You know, is all the small shows. I, I think house shows and shit are going to come back. You know, it's it's going to yeah. be like, it's it's going to be real crazy because you know these big venues are definitely not going to be opening up anytime soon you know even if they were at half capacity i don't even think it would make sense for them unless they like doubled the ticket price or something crazy yeah having said that you know i I don't mean to interrupt you there but you you were saying how the big venues gas monkey it shut down there i you know they're looking for a new owner i I think something like that along the sides when i drive by it it's just an it's just an empty venue it it looks like like a deserted like a post-apocalyptic movie type of building that's a cool spot man man uh, again there's so many memories from that spot so you know let's see let's see what happens the house shows will come back just play a show at you know that's that's the goal right now and then we'll work our way up if you weren't a musician, yeah, you know, I was going to ask, you know, go ahead, finish. Cause this next question, is uh, a big one. I was going to say, we've, we've been asked to play some shows, man. Some people have been asking us to do some outside stuff and, you know, have capacity and stuff like that, which on the inside, bro, trust me, I want to play, I'll play in front of someone who's a hundred feet away from me. I don't care. You know, I want to play, <laughs> but like also at the same time, I don't want to be the one perpetuating the problem either. You know, I, I, I want this to go away. So as badly as I want to play shows, it's just like, we just, you know, I think it'd be smarter for every band now to, to just wait and just let's get this over with. Because if you're getting hundred, a hundred people together or 60 people together, you know, you're essentially kind of perpetuating the issue. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's not helping. Although I feel your pain, trust me. I mean, I want to play shows for sure. Uh, have you seen that show? Well, there's a, we had Jennifer from beyond the black on the show back in June uh, in Germany, did the, they did the drive-in. It's not like Metallica. I mean, you can call it a drive-in, but it was a stage, and the actual band was there. They performed, and it was just this bunch of cars in front. I thought it was a meme or something somebody made up, but it was an actual thing. I don't know if you've seen that. No, no, I haven't seen that at yeah. all. But you know, that sounds a lot cooler than watching like a video for sure, though. Yeah, you know, it, yeah I, w- it, I would feel better about performing. Like, yeah, I would. 
as long as people are there, like, you know, I love the energy. Don't get me wrong. And the moshing and, and all that, like, I love that shit and I, I feed off it, but I've also played other, you know, kinds of music where there's no moshing. You know, I, w- I went to jazz school and, and I've done like cover band stuff and all, all types of awesome. other shit. And so I, I just admire people watching too. Like, it, you know, it's it just cool playing in front of people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So doing something like that would definitely be cool. I mean, yeah, that, let's see what, let's see what happens like when, in time, but you know, that was just whatever you can make of the situation. That was just an interesting take on how like presenting your music to the people, but you can't even get out of the car. You can watch the band, but you can't get out of the car. So it, it is what it is. But the, yeah. you know, the big question I wanted to ask before we finish things off here, you talked about just your career in music and from, you know, again, where you started to where you are now and you worked hard to get to where you wanted to get. If you weren't a musician, has it ever, has this ever crossed your mind? If you weren't a musician, what would you think you'd be doing right now? Oh, I would be doing cultivation for sure. Cultivation is like my second passion. I I love growing uh, just as much as I love doing music. I mean, I love music probably a little bit more, but I I thoroughly enjoy um, growing. You know, I just, I think it's, it's awesome. I like being around plants, you know, I'm way more than people. So that's, that's definitely my second passion for sure. That That's totally understandable. I love asking that question because there's so many things about a musician that people don't really know about. I mean, and people may not even need to know about because, but I think that's also an important part about the musician's character about who they are and why they write what they do, how they write what they do and just makes the person who they are. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. I think that's awesome. I think you should still continue that no matter what. Just don't give a fuck about anything. Plants are better than people. I will attest to that. Dogs are better than people. I don't know where your dog went, but (laughs) she's barking up someone's fucking walking by or something. She's barking right now. (laughs) So man, Eric, this has been an honor. Like I, I mean, again, this has been like a month in the making trying to get you on the show, but I'm glad we're able to do it. Do you have any like, it took so so long. That's wild. Why is it taking so long for us? Like we're like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, before we finish things off here, I want to ask, do you have any like shout outs, any plugs, anything you want to mention? to the fans, you know, before we finish. These- um, I mean, yeah, shout out, to, shout out on my Dallas fan, man. I love all you guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, shout out, uh, power trip, shout out iron age, RIP Riley, RIP Wade, you know, um, definitely hit us up too. hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, play gears on my Facebook, Google, all that shit. Just type in play gears, man. You're going to find it and, uh, pick up our new record circle of darkness. And everyone who's listening, please buy the, buy the record. It's one thing to stream the album, but buy the yeah. merch, buy the shirt. If you buy, if you're the type of person who buys physical copies, you're a motherfucking legend. You are the man. Like you are, <laughs> you're doing things. So like you're, you're the reason that band, like bands will love you. If you, I, I, I'm a sort of guy, bro. If you go up to a band, you're like, yo, I actually bought your record. I guarantee you they're going to be like, fuck, thank you. You know, because streaming is like, you know, I have a very shitty relationship with streaming, man. It's it's cool because I guess yeah. the more people are listening, it's like a promotional thing. But I mean, it's a fucking scam. That's just it's unbelievable, really, bro. I mean, in the other corner of my room, I have just a stack of records. That's what we're doing in this corner. So in the other corner of my room, I just have a stack of records that I, that I that I bought. You know, your album's one of them. There's so many albums over there that that I still buy records. It's still an important part about why the music is what it is because even the album artwork someone took the time to create that artwork man i can't even stress it enough again the, I, I have i have good i know that the listeners are are great listeners of mine but please purchase the record it means a lot to the bands and if you guys love the bands it they can't do it without you and and figures will be on the road as soon as you know once all this is over 
and the right thing yeah, right now if, is if yeah. you stream just to put it in perspective for some people that may not know this if you stream the record one time just from front to back mm-hmm. that's 0.006 cents every play so versus Jeez. if you buy the record you know yeah we're gonna we're gonna benefit way more off that than we are. And that goes for any artist. I mean, streaming is a complete scam. It's cool. I mean, I like it. It's convenient. You know, I use it too, but I mean, it's definitely a total scam. You know, it's, it's fucked. <laughs> I mean, the, the way I do it is just, I'll, I'll buy the record and I'll still stream it. You know, it's, that's yeah, another yeah. way to do it. That You can do yep. that. It's, it's doable. And it's not like these records are like 20, 30 bucks, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's good money. It's, it's, it's not a waste of your time. It's not a waste, never a waste of money for the music we love, man. We're in this business because we're not here to get famous, man. We're we're in this business because we have a passion for what we do. You know, that's why we're here. <laughs> I'm always just as interested in like, you know, when I see a band, like just, you know, they're about to drop a new record, or even like any of my homies bands, you know, like I got a couple homies that are about to be dropping some records, like uh, Frozen Soul, obviously, Single yeah. Sugarbog, uh, enforce you know the first thing i'm asking who'd you go to for the artwork you know i i I think the artwork is like one of the coolest things of it all you know i so many times i've gone in the record store and bought something just because the artwork looked cool you know not even be i didn't even know the band or the artist or whatever but i'm like yo this record looks badass you know and i'll just buy it speaking of which speaking of which who did yours now that we're on the subject uh joe patagno he did the front and back and then on the uh inside was uh, his name's I Poet, I think this is how you say his name. Uh, his company's called Five Milligrams. Okay. Joe Patagno is credited for doing like uh, the um, Motorhead Skull. Uh, he's done stuff for like Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, but then he's also done stuff uh, with like Mammoth Grinder. That that's really the main reason I went to him. Uh, and he now did the Cosmic. Yeah, he did the Cosmic Crip uh, artwork, and when Alls dropped it, you know. I was just like, fuck, dude, who did that? Like, that shit is insane. Like, I still think that's one of the craziest yeah. artworks I've seen in, in quite a while. And uh, Alls just plugged me in. He told me, it was, oh, it's Joe Patagno. I was like, fuck, man, I might have to work with that dude for sure. And I hope this is a constant thing for you going forward. I don't know why I thought of Mortal Kombat when I saw that album cover for Circle of Darkness. <laughs> I mean, I have Mortal Kombat poster up here. I grew up with that franchise. But when I first, I'm like, wow, this is this is Netherrealm shit right here. <laughs> Took me yeah. right Joe, into the Joe Circle of Darkness. Yeah. it, man. Yeah, I, I, I didn't give him really any like, you know, most of the time if I'm getting art, I kind of tell them like, oh, this is what I want, you know, a rough, you know, idea or whatever. Mm-hmm. With Joe, I mean, he's such a legend, dude, for one, like, you know, just getting a piece from him. I was so stoked. I mean, the dude is like 70, 72, I think, you know, he's an old guy. He's been around. I mean, he created the fucking Motorhead Skull. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I just really wanted just a. Uh, organic thing you know that he came up with you know all i did was send him some lyrics from uh the song eternal fire and then he just went from there and and that's what he came up with stick with that formula stick with what works man that's all that matters oh yeah for sure (laughs) man eric uh thank you so much this has been definitely one of my i've I've done so many of these podcasts this is definitely one of my favorite ones let's stay in touch i will see you again in the future near future when you come to dallas um everyone is listening this is eric from play gears circle of darkness is out now on E1, a very prominent label, a very prominent band, a very prominent artist right here in Eric. Thanks so much, man. We'll see you next time, brother. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate all the kind words, dude. Seriously, appreciate, appreciate everything you're saying, man. Have a good one.
Thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.com.